0: Oh, oh, shine upon the darkness, oh, word of truth, shine bright. Abide with me forever, your law is my delight. Hey everyone, and welcome to Money where we seek to help the good man leave an inheritance to his children's children. This is Jeremy, the host of Theana Think about all of the economic issues that could come from your house getting broken into. Yes, there are major potentials for physical harm there, if the person tries to hurt you or your family and not just steal stuff. But let's not think about that. Let's just imagine a burglar who breaks into your home while your family is away or in the middle of the night and steals a bunch of stuff but does not do any physical harm to anyone in your household. The economic consequences of that can range from frustrating to devastating depending on what is stolen, how much it costs to replace, and if you have insurance that can help cover the cost of anything that was stolen from you. Maybe all the person steals is a TV that you can replace for a few hundred dollars and money is not very tight for you right now. So if that is all, it's frustrating and it's not though, you know, it's not that big a deal. You can mark it up to God and his providence is teaching you an expensive lesson about focusing too much on material things and being quick to anger when you need to be more patient. But what if it's more than that? Your entire household is gone while you're at church or away on vacation or something like that. So the person is able to steal a lot more than a TV. You have several hundred dollars in cash, some expensive jewelry, your wife only wears on the special occasions and maybe some precious metals stored in a safe and hidden in a closet or something. You think uh, it's all good because it's in that safe and. That safe is hidden, but what if the thief finds it and uh, he just takes the entire safe because he knows that with some tools he has back at home, he will be able to open up in no time? Let's make it more than just financial. That safe had a couple firearms in it, and it was where you kept private personal identification, such as social security cards, passports, birth certificates, etc. Now what do you do? You have the potential for identity theft, not to mention firearms in your name are now who knows where, or firearms you uh, lost in a tragic boating accident, so they're technically not actually lost, so you would rather not try to get police involved in trying to recover them, wink wink. Now you just have to buy new ones and hope a crime is never committed with any of them soon enough that your fingerprints are able to come up on the gun if it's left at the scene of the crime. But what if spending a few hundred dollars, or if that is too much money, a couple dozen bucks a month for the next year could save you a lot of money by preventing your house from being broken into? I want to cover some ideas for that in this episode. And uh, some of it, A good portion of the episode will be stuff that does not cost any money, just things like situational awareness and stuff like that. Now before we go any further, I would like to ask you all to check out Theana Money's social media, follow it if you like the podcast, tell your friends about the podcast, and check out the Bonfire account for Theana Money that is linked in a... The description of this episode, there are some cool t-shirts about uh, theonomy and uh, economics and different stuff like that that y'all might really appreciate. And so uh, go ahead and uh, check that out if you're interested in getting some cool theonomy t-shirts and stuff like that. So about six months ago, there was an episode of Bright Hearth in which Lexi was not on, but Brian and a guy from the church talked about how to protect your home. The episode was an hour and a half, so listening to it at one and a half speed should have finished it in an hour, but my wife and I probably took three hours or more to get through it all because we talked so much about it. Some of what I talk about here is from that episode, and some is just from stuff I knew already long before I'd ever heard of Brian Sauve or Brighthearth. First, I want to do some preventative stuff. Then talk a bit about what to do if uh, a bad situation is actually happening. Preventative aspects are important because we would rather prevent a bad situation from happening to begin with than try to fix one as it is occurring or after the damage has occurred. Of course, bad things happen no matter how much you try to prevent them and we want to know how to prevent and react but more time spent preventing can result in less time spent reacting longer screws for doors to make them more difficult to kick in is one idea that will make it take longer if someone did attempt to kick your door in and that gives you more time if you're the husband listening it gives you more time for your wife and kids to run back to uh, a bedroom, and lock the door, and you grab your gun, and I don't know, yell at the guy to leave, and tell him uh, things would not go well for him if he continues to try to break in. Or uh, another idea with that is it gives you time to hit the alarm on uh, your car that's sitting in the driveway, ten feet away from the guy trying to uh, break in. People trying to commit crimes don't like having a lot of attention on themselves. And if a car alarm five feet away starts going off, he might decide he needs to get away quickly before anything happens to him, before too many people notice, or the police get called on him, or if the police have already been called on him, get away before they show up, things like that. Making sure that locks on your windows work properly so no one can come in without breaking in by just coming in through a window. If the locks don't work, you might want to throw some money at getting them fixed, or it might have to be getting the windows replaced, I don't know how all that stuff works. Hopefully not, because getting windows replaced is expensive, but that might be what what it is to fix the locks so that intruders cannot climb into your house through a window. In that right episode, Brian mentioned that you can order online little like window alarms that are battery powered. that go off if a window opens so that's one thing to consider with that as well. If you want to leave one or two windows unlocked in case you forget your keys and need to get into your house just be careful. A well hidden hide a key could be better or if that seems too risky to you you could do something like uh, instead of having a key to your house and that little hide a key fake rock thing you could um, put a key to your shed out back in it and then somewhere hidden inside that shed you have a key to your house and uh, that basically makes there be a couple steps that way if some intruder did happen to find your hide a key he wouldn't be able to get access to your house from that immediately. Just think through the various options if you want to have a backup in case you lock yourself out of your house but also keeping your house secure from intruders. Another idea is buying some plants that are prickly, like maybe a rose bush so it also has curb appeal under some of the bedroom windows and that can also help deter a thief from trying to come in through that window. Now you also wanna think about if you ever need to get out of your home with all of this stuff. If you put that prickly plant outside your window, can you jump from your window and clear it so so you do not tear yourself up If you need to escape through a window in the event of a fire, or if you you have your wife or kids escape through the window while you confront an intruder, or some other situation where you need to get out of the house through a window. That is why I do not recommend putting bars on your windows unless you live in a really bad area. Not only do they look bad, they also trap you in your house as much as they keep potential intruders out of it. We also need to think about not just prevention for threats from other people, but also threats from other sources that could harm your family. Smoke detectors. Do all of yours work? When was the last time you tested them, whether intentionally or by one of them going off when you cook something that made a lot of smoke? Are the batteries good in your smoke detectors? Do you have a fire extinguisher? And- is it still good or is it too old now do you have one for general use like an electrical fire and one for the kitchen because the electrical fire extinguisher might not be good for a kitchen fire what about carbon monoxide detectors with a fire you as long as you are not asleep you should notice the smoke if you do not see the fire first Carbon monoxide does not have such obvious signs and therefore can be more dangerous than fire. Do you have a first aid kit in order to treat small injuries? Do you have a tourniquet or do you know how to wrap a shirt or towel around an arm or leg tightly enough to act as one? If you or one of your family members gets an injury that causes a lot of bleeding, this could save your life as it keeps you from losing too much blood before you get to the hospital. A little bit ago in the episode, I mentioned a safe. Let's talk about that again. There are different things you can do with that safe to uh, try to prevent a thief from, um, like I mentioned before, just taking the whole safe if he doesn't just break into it there in your house. If you want to, you can bolt your safe to the floor or the wall. Then, even if a thief finds it, he has to be able to open it right then and there to steal its contents. He cannot just take the whole safe, knowing he will be able to break it open when he gets home. If you live in a crawl space, you might be able to get some bolts long enough to go all the way to the crawl space. And then put a nut on the other side of the bolt down there, making that thing nearly impossible to remove without taking part of the floor with it. I do not recommend doing this without seriously thinking about it, though. I live on a crawl space, and... I plan to do it myself, especially since I have concrete, not just two buys and OSB, between my crawlspace and house proper. But it is an idea my grandpa told me about a while back. Although on the plus side of having that concrete floor, my crawlspace is practically a bunker and I'm pretty sure if a tornado came through my area and collapsed my house, my family could survive down there with some food and water until we were able to get someone to dig us out. Talking about all of that, let's move into some situational awareness ways that you can attempt to prevent such things from happening. These are ways that will not include spending any money, just being aware of your surroundings so that you either do not become a target or see the perpetrator coming before he contacts you. Then you can get out of dodge or, if not, start preparing for what happens next. When you go for a walk or a jog and it's kind of cold so you wear a hoodie, do not put your hood up. Do not put your hood over your head. First, that makes it harder to be aware of your surroundings. Second, the potential thief knows it makes you less aware of your surroundings and therefore makes you a bigger target from people that can mean you harm. If you listen to music or podcasts or an audiobook or something like that while well, Going for a walk or a run, only put one earbud in, not both. If you have the hood on your hoodie up and both earbuds in while going for a run, especially if you are alone, especially if you are a woman, then you are basically asking for someone with nefarious intent to make you into his next target. Do not have your hood up, and if you have earbuds in, only use one of them, or just hold a speaker in your hand so that you don't need earbuds at all. Look behind you periodically. Keep your peripheral vision turned on. That might sound weird, but some of you know what I mean by that. Basically, just be aware of things out of the corner of your eye. Be aware of surroundings by your ears as much as you're able, if you listen to something while going for a walk or a run. And just look ahead, and if someone seems suspicious, Keep a good distance between the two of you. Those are some tips that can help you stay a lot safer if you like to go for walks or runs around your neighborhood. And for health reasons, I do recommend going for a walk with your family around your neighborhood or a nearby park when weather permits. Getting a half hour of fresh air and sunshine and a bit of light exercise a few times a week when done consistently Or as consistently as weather would allow, since this might not be possible for most of the winter if you live as far north as I do, or if it is possible, you just get fresh air, not sunshine, doing that will do wonders for your health. Just be safe while you do it, especially if you're the husband and father because you are responsible for your family and God has given you the duty of being the first protector and defender of your wife and children. So that's preventative. What about reactive, when something bad is actually happening? First, remember God's law. Cry out. Make a scene. Remember how God's word talks about a woman, if she's being raped, screaming and making a scene, and the whole distinction between, like, if it's done in a city and no one hears her, versus if it's done out in the middle of nowhere and you just assume she screamed and no one was there to... uh, Uh, to try to help her so make a scene Uh, cry like I said cry out make a scene get attention brought to yourself and if there are people within hearing range then that might get some attention or if nothing else it might just make the would-be perpetrator uh, try to get get away before a, a bunch of people show up and that can be just for any crime being done to you not it doesn't have to be something drastic Also remember God's law on not letting justice be delayed. Do what you can to bring the person who committed a crime against you to justice if uh, a crime has already occurred. Do not be embarrassed to talk about it or admit that you are the victim of a crime. We need to suck up our pride, be humble, and seek to have justice done as much as possible in a fallen world and a nation that does not live up to God's law as it should. Although with the remnants of our Christian heritage, and English theonomic common law tradition, the United States, despite its many faults, has some aspects that make it easier than in countries where God's law has no legacy in the system of our national laws. Talking about when preventing has failed, now what do you do in the moment when something actually is happening? A lot of this is very situational. Is this a uh, person breaking into your house in the middle of the night? Is he someone trying to mug you as you're walking down the street or at a park? Are you alone? Or are you with other people? Does the person have a knife or a gun or some other weapon? Or do you not know if the person is armed or not? Like the intruder in your house that you are walking down the hallway to confront. All of that will change how you should respond to the situation so do not take what i say as a step-by-step outline but some ideas for you to think about and uh, apply it to the places where you live or the places that you frequently go and what to do in various situations that could arise there this is especially true for men since when again you are the first protectors of your family and i'm sure a lot of guys listening to this podcast have daydreamed about various situations and how they would respond to protect their families like i've done that same thing daydreamed about that so i guess keep doing that and maybe what i'm about to say will give you a few new ideas i already mentioned using your voice for self for self-defense by making a scene to hopefully scare the person away while this here is probably a long shot in most cases, if you can actually manage to pull it off, it would be best talk the person down. Now if someone is at the point of pulling a knife or a gun on you, talking them down is probably not going to happen. Talk no Jutsu doesn't work in real life like it does in Naruto, but if you can on some rare occasions somehow manage to do this, that would be ideal because it would pretty much avoid the situation going poorly altogether. You don't get injured or robbed, and you do not have to harm the person trying to mug you in order to keep yourself from being injured or robbed. Under talking the person down, I would put talking them down by scaring them. Try to be intimidating, perhaps by showing your weapons that you have on you, and make the person decide that he made a mistake trying to mug you, and it is in his best interest to apologize and leave. Maybe if you uh, come across as a bit of psychotic, that will help with the intimidation factor. If a guy pulls a knife on me, trying to mug me, and I pull out my knife, and then tell him I'm excited and have been looking forward to this day for years, he might just decide that he wants to back off and leave me alone. In the last episode, I mentioned my friend who was a Detroit police officer, now retired. He has a son named James, and James and I used to fight each other all the time when we were teenagers. Not because we didn't like one another, we were great friends, but just for fun and to get better at fighting. One time, James and his dad went to an Asian country for a vacation. They were told not to walk down this alley, and so, of course, they walked down it. A guy pulled a knife on them to mug them and James dad not even concerned just let his son handle it James pulled two knives out and the guy ran away did not even need to fight I wanted that to happen to me ever since I first heard that story although I haven't carried multiple knives on me in a while so I guess I need to do that if I ever want this to be a possibility I tell this story to give an example of when intimidating a guy trying to harm you is enough to scare him away without actually needing to fight. The guy pulls a knife on you and you pull two knives or a gun on him and he decides he should leave you alone. If you do need to fight someone, you get mugged and no amount of talking or intimidation will make the guy stop. As much as I want to tell you to wreck the dude in hand-to-hand combat, Weapons are better. They make things a lot easier. gun foo might be a joke, but five hours of training with a gun might be able to save your life more than 500 hours of martial arts training. If the guy already has a gun out, pointed at you, and you're 20 feet away, this is a difficult situation to be in without a firearm of your own. Even then, it's still difficult. Uh, Even if you are Master Varga, he is an old instructor of mine, and he in his 60s could probably take James and I in a fight at the same time and win. And James joined the military after high school and was one of the top fighters in his class, if not the top. He was in the Air Force and uh, decided they were not good enough to keep his fighting in shape, so James trained with the Marines, and they got upset that an Air Force guy kept beating them in fights. Not even kidding. Uh, This was my old sparring buddy, and while I wish I could say that we were neck and neck in skill when he did all of this stuff, he was a year older than me, and I was always struggling to keep up with him, with the difference becoming more and more apparent as we got later into our teen years. But anyways, even if you're Master Varga, this guy that James and I in a two-on-one fight probably would have struggled with, even when he was in his 60s. If a guy's 20 feet away and already has a gun out and pointed at you, that's a very difficult situation to try to do any kind of martial arts to get yourself out of. No matter what movies you've watched, you are not able to dodge bullets. But having a gun and knowing how to use it safely, knowing how to use it safely, please do not carry around a firearm if you have Not only never fired that particular one before, you have not fired a gun ever before. I don't care if your state has constitutional carry, know how to use that weapon before you hurt other people besides the bad guy. Whether or not you can carry a firearm, keep a knife or two on you. First, they are convenient to have because you never know when you might need to open something. You have to open a box and you cut the tape. Two, they are convenient to have when in self-defense, you need to open the guy trying to hurt you. Okay, I tried to use a parallelism there, but I'm not sure how much open the box and open the guy worked out for that. Hopefully someone found it funny. Like a gun, know how to use a knife. You can buy practice knives online, and uh, you and some buddies of yours, or you and your sons can practice fighting with them. If you're pretty confident with that, I say this telling you that you probably should not. So if you do so and hurt yourself, you cannot sue me. But if you, without my consent, want to, you can move from practice knives to real knives, preferably butter knives. So that way, if you do actually cut one another, it barely leaves a scratch. Although even some of those practice knives, if you hit someone hard enough with them, it can actually bleed a little bit. James one time actually cut my forehead with a rubber practice knife when we were sparring. We had fun back in the day. Also, if someone does have a gun and you have a knife, and the guy hasn't pulled out his gun yet, you, you know he has one, but he still has it at his side, and you're relatively close to him, 10 feet away, maybe even 20 feet away, you'd be surprised how quickly you running at the guy can cover that distance, and you can pull a knife out a lot faster than you can pull a gun out. That's why in certain situations, a knife is actually deadlier than a gun, because if you're trying to mug me and you're standing 10 feet away from me and your gun's still at your side you haven't pulled it out yet you even have the safety on so you got to deal with the safety once it's pulled off I can cover the 10 feet in between us before you can have the gun out and pointed at me and even if you do have the gun out and pointed at me by that time I'm close enough I can probably push the gun away before you can pull the trigger and then I can mess you up with a knife a lot more than you can mess me up with the gun in that situation because I just have to keep the gun. Off to the side Uh, to bring uh, my Detroit police officer friend up again he actually had a situation where a criminal with a box cutter did a lot more damage to a police officer than that Detroit police officer did with his gun to the criminal shot the guy multiple times and the guy was in the hospital for a little bit but he was able to recover pretty quickly that police officer got torn up with the box cutter and ended up needing I don't know one or two hundred stitches more than that basically getting torn up with a box cutter actually hurt the police officer more than a couple shots hurt the criminal in that situation and uh, now talking about knives and self-defense with knives if you ever have a guy pull a knife on you and you pull out your knife on him in self-defense remember that fighting with knives is a game of tag whoever tags the other person more wins but all parties involved will get tagged. In other words, you will end up bloody, but you're trying to make the other guy a lot more bloody than you at the end of the fight. So, if you're comfortable with firearms, have a level of experience and expertise with them so that you can use them safely, and are able to legally carry one, then do so as often as you can. But, also, either way, carry a knife when you can and know how to fight with knives and know how to fight with no weapon using your body as your weapon. If you try to get martial arts training, be careful. Most of the clubs won't teach you how to actually fight very well, or if they do, they can be really expensive. A lot of clubs, a lot of martial arts clubs are about getting money for the instructor, not passing on the skill to future generations as well as the discipline and other instructions that goes along with that. If you live near the Detroit area, the Korean Karate Academy of Allen Park, Michigan, or any place that they recommend, are good and will teach you better, better martial arts than most other places, while charging a fraction of what many of them would charge for similar level of training. That's where I learned for 10 years, and we took it seriously. We'd actually hurt one another sometimes. Or maybe more than just sometimes. And then laugh about it. They are not like other martial arts clubs today that don't make any contact when fighting one another. We would uh, actually make fun of clubs like that. Talk about how, like, a teenager at our club could beat adults at their club in fights and stuff like that. And speaking of that, Tang Soo si Club... They are in the Detroit area. I'm doing this episode this week because just a few days before this episode drops is the 11-year anniversary of when I got my first Don, my first degree black belt, to use terminology most people would recommend. That was my inspiration for wanting to do this episode this week. Although I gotta say, my test for my first Don was a lot easier than some of them back in the day were. When they used to use a real sword as part of the examination of your skill and ability. Not kidding. When I was younger, I thought that was going to be part of my first Don test as well. And I was pretty scared of it. But I think my master decided that that was one part of the test we did not need to do anymore. And I was uh, pretty happy about that. I think he wanted to minimize how much blood was on our uniforms by the time we were done with the test. I know I rambled a bit in this episode and went a bit long, but for me, it was fun to reminisce on some of those old memories. And while some people might have not liked that, a lot of people like it when podcasters do stuff like that so they can know more about the person to whom they are listening. So I guess you're welcome to the latter group and sorry, not sorry to the first. Anyways, I hope at least part of this was helpful for you. If nothing else try to think of preventative measures to defend yourself more than you think about how to respond in the moment something bad happens because maybe the bad moment won't happen if you take good preventative measures or if it still does your response can be a lot quicker and perhaps a better decision because you've thought this through before so you can let your body react instead of having to think about what to do. That was this week's episode of Theonomony. As we go, I want to remind everyone that the law of the Lord is perfect, sure, right, pure, clean, and true. So go apply that law in light of the gospel of Christ's atoning death and resurrection to every area of life. Grace and peace, friends. It revives me and satisfies me Your love is sweet, oh you